1160 AM KVCE presents Texas Money and Business. From investing your money to running a business, get all the information you need to know on Texas Money and Business. Now here's your host, Ron Taylor. And we thank you for joining us here on the show today. It's another great program. Ambitious Radio Network is underway here with Doug Parker. And Doug, good to have you back. So we have a great guest once again. Man, you are you're batting for one in a thousand over the guests lately, and this is going to be a great guest today. Welcome. Well, I tell you what, man, thank you so much. And, you know, I, I, uh, we've got a couple guys out there that have uh, accepted the invitation, and we are so appreciative. Um, this week we're going to have Herman from Call em All, and we'll get into that uh, here in just a few minutes. But as we get started, you know, as you mentioned, Doug Parker, the Ambitious Radio Network, um, you know, I'm an entrepreneur and a credit expert. You know, here on the show we're doing uh, Texas Money and Business, and it's really exciting. This is our fifth episode, and it's hard to believe that we've already done five episodes. You know, we've talked a little bit uh, about the kind of the, the the new car smell, if you will, but but it's starting to kind of uh, to kind of need a car wash. You know, it's getting that 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 uh, little dirt on it. So we're we're getting a little age on us, and this is exciting times. But we're going to talk about business, entrepreneurship, finance. You know, maybe just interesting people to interview and and things that entrepreneurs that are listening or, or small business owners can take and apply today after they get get done listening to the show. So we're real excited about it. It's all made possible by our sponsors, freeelectricitydfw.com, repairmycreditnow.com, and all3reports.com. That's all, A-L-L, the number three, and then reports with an S.com. So, um, you know, we'll talk about some books. I know Brad's got some favorites, and we'll, and we'll get into that here in a minute and, and, and different quotes, but uh, I, I ran across this one the other day, and it said, Things may come to those who wait, but only the things left by those who hustle. And that was Abraham Lincoln. And so that's uh, that's something that I really uh, I've always liked Abraham Lincoln. That guy, I mean, he persevered through so much, but he absolutely hustled. And so that's that's what entrepreneurism is, is all about. So today we're going to be talking to to Brad Herman with Call Them All. Uh, he's a great guy that I've known for a couple of years. We've done some stuff together with Small Giants and. I uh, really want to get to know a little bit more about his business and, and his background and how things you know, all came about. I know he's a very successful entrepreneur. So with that being said, Brad, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks a lot, Doug. I'm thrilled to be here. Well, we're, we're excited to have you. I mean, we're always looking for folks that, that have you know, been through the gauntlet of, of small business and entrepreneurism. And sometimes you know, we get together, and when you and I have traveled really all over the country, uh, you know, checking out a couple uh, different entities and, and some stuff. You know, we had Bo Burlingham on the show last week, and you and I have had the really the great fortune of uh, being able to spend some time with Bo and, and get into some of these companies and, and study them. But, you know, a lot of times when we get all of us entrepreneurs together, it, it's like herding cats. I mean, we got a, a thousand ideas a minute, and you put four or five of us together, and it's hard to get a, a word in edgewise. But uh, having said that, man, let's talk a little bit kind of about your background and, you know, growing up with a, with an entrepreneurial father. Let's talk about that and, and, and how that worked out for you. Yeah, I think I've been very fortunate uh, to have a father that I joke he manipulated me really well uh, <laughs> with both my my education, uh, formal education, but also with uh, with an entrepreneurial mindset. Uh, you know, his his background, his parents were were blue collar. Uh, he was the first in his family to go to, to college, I believe. And uh, you know, he talks about giving haircuts to get through college, throwing papers as a kid and having to go collect the money from them, et cetera. Um, so, so something was in his blood early. 
Uh, although I don't think entrepreneurs are made uh, are born, I believe they're made. Uh, but his he, he finishes college and and went off to Xerox, uh, which he describes as as sort of the Google of the time. Uh, but uh, ended up catching on with a really interesting company called Rome. It's R O L M. Uh, in in the seventies, they ended up being bought by IBM. But there's actually you mentioned books a minute ago. There's a, actually a book about Rome called Starting Up Silicon Valley. And they were one of the original Silicon Valley companies with great culture. And this is all the way back in the 70s. So I've come to, to, to care very deeply about the, the culture within a business. And to see that in Silicon Valley in the 70s, I, I really didn't realize it. But he you know, was with this company as a regional manager starting up new locations. And he was given a lot of freedom. And it was essentially, you know, in his words, like running his own business. He had a lot of control over what was going on. So while he didn't start the company, he certainly was an entrepreneur within a bigger company, which I think is a great way uh, for for younger folks out there or people that think you have to start up your own company uh, on your own from scratch. No, there are companies that will give you opportunities uh, and a freedom uh, to grow and express yourself and, and see what you can do. Yeah, that, that makes a, a huge difference. And, you know, I, I, obviously our, our parents – you know, have fingerprints, you know, on our lives and, and, and you know, and hopefully in, in every situation, but in most situations, you know, I remember uh, my dad, when I was growing up, he was entrepreneurial and, and, you know, probably, I don't know, I was 10 years old or 12 years old or something. And I remember hearing, you know, Zig Ziglar on one of those books on tape. And I was just enamored with listening to Zig. And it was all stuff that made sense to me. It was, you know, it's not just business related, but, you know, those same things, you know, culture and, and, you know, you got to sell something, you know, in, in, in just about any business, but it's about how you do it and how you sell things and, and the culture, the environment, uh, it all makes a difference. And, and you can, you can uh, run companies multiple different ways, but, you know, one of the things that we always want to consider is, you know, how, how do you want to be remembered? You know, is it just all about the cash and just making money? And I know as, as small Johnson, we'll get into that in, in a couple uh, segments from now, uh, how that, you know, just really so closely aligns with, with the things that you're trying to do in your business and, and why it was so easy for you to jump in and get involved and get on the board. But, yeah. um, you know, when, when, with your dad, um, so he went from Rome, which was acquired and, and went to IBM and then um, how long was it with that with that organization? Yeah, well, you could see uh, you could see it in him, and I'll talk how you see it, how it was reflected in me. Uh, he's now working, finds himself working for IBM. Well, he missed Chicago. He's in Houston, and he missed Chicago dogs. So what's he do? Naturally, he started up a restaurant selling Chicago dogs in Houston. <laughs> uh, kind of funny that didn't work out so well. We're still not allowed to mention it around the house today mm-hmm. um, because. He remembers how much money he lost. But again, that's the mindset of an entrepreneur. I took a cut. We laugh. You know, he jokes, don't mention it, don't mention it. But you learn right away that failure, hey, it just happens. You know, you can still be successful. You don't have to bat a thousand in life. You need to take cuts and try things and have fun while you're doing it. Well, and so well, you see that. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, I mean, you know, one of the things I've heard a lot of times over the years is, you know, sometimes lessons are better bought than taught. You know, it, the reality is you try to teach people. Uh, a lot of times they just don't pay attention. And when you get to buy yourself a lesson, it, it's very valuable to you. And it sounds like your dad really probably bought himself a lesson on those, you know, Chicago style hot dogs in Houston. That for whatever reason, it just it didn't line up. But but you learn whenever it hits your pocketbook. Yep, yep. 
And then, so, so I, you know, I had a couple of lessons myself. I think my first entrepreneur uh, experience was selling cinnamon toothpicks in elementary school. Mm-hmm. And I was coming home every night and making them. I'm the only kid in the school selling them. I don't know, four for a quarter. I had some kind of a deal if you bought more. But it was a really awkward one when the principal got on the loudspeaker and made the announcement that students were not allowed to sell anything uh, before school, particularly cinnamon toothpicks. And, man, I'll tell you, every eyeball in the class was staring at me. Oh, that's a great story. That is a great story. Yeah, so I moved on to mowing lawns. You know, one of the things that that I did that was really cool was junior achievement. Uh, in high school, where you actually get together with other students and start a business and start knocking on doors trying to sell something, and you see profit loss, uh, it's it's like an open book experiment for kids to start a company and try to sell something, and that was a, a really cool experience uh, for me growing up. Cool, cool, cool. And then you know, so to to wrap you know wrap out how my my father and I end up merging together uh, in 1997, two years after I finished college. He started a company called TI3, and that's where I learned that not only was my father an entrepreneur, but he was – I think he was cool with culture uh, before you know culture was really cool, <laughs> if I said that right. <laughs> Absolutely, no. That, that's that's absolutely, uh, you know, a, a very interesting story. And you know, we, we're kind of wrapping up this segment. And I think as we, you know, go into the next one, your dad was very successful and ultimately was able to to sell his company. But that left you in a situation where you were still working at a company that he had sold, and the culture I think maybe started to change and some things uh, happened there. So we'll we'll delve into that segment. Uh, as we as we get there, but uh, very interesting story. Great upbringing. It's always great to hear about you know multiple generations of entrepreneurs and and how they move on uh, from there. Um, next segment, as I said, we'll talk to Brad a little bit more. This is Brad Herman with Call Em All and about how his transition from working with his dad in an entrepreneurial environment that ultimately got sold and and the uh, the outcome from there. So uh, thanks for tuning in to the Ambitious Radio Network right here on Texas Money and Business. Now back to Texas Money and Business with your host, Ron Taylor. Yes, I am Ron Taylor. It's so good to have you here for Texas Money and Business or said here in Texas, Texas Money and Business. Are you doing something like that? No, Doug's better at that than I am. Doug Parker is here, ladies and gentlemen, Ambitious Radio Network. Go ahead, Doug. It's all yours. Ron, thanks. Today we have got Brad Herman with Call Em All. And Brad's going to tell us a little bit about, you know, as he worked with his dad and and the company was sold, that's kind of what every entrepreneur seems to want to do is start a business, make it successful, sell it, maybe start another three or four or five. But, you know, as that transition happens, and Bo talked a little bit bit about it last week, but as that transition occurs, um, it's not over just because you sold the business. In your case, your dad sold the business and you're still working there. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about that. How, how was that transition? What did it do to the culture? And ultimately, what, what came out of that environment of, of him leaving and selling the business? Yeah, thanks, uh, Doug. So we were about four years into the company, and he decided to – we had two, two clients in particular that were dominating our revenue. And if one of them had left, we'd been caught in a bind. Uh, so that was one of the big influences on him deciding to sell it. And like every great entrepreneur, he decided to stay, stick around the two years that was required and retire. But uh, what we found was even when he was still running 
our division in Dallas, uh, we had, you know, this is a publicly held company out of St. Louis, which operates a little differently. They've got uh, a few thousand employees and we had 13. But even then you saw the influence uh, that my dad himself couldn't hold back from St. Louis, the different places where we weren't allowed to make our own decisions. Things were pushed down on us, mandated on us. And, and my big thing was, I think I was spoiled on when I asked the question, we had a debate and gave an answer. You know, you got an answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the thing that the, the kind of things that started eating away at me would be, why do we have to do this? It doesn't make any sense. Or can you explain to me why this we're doing, making this decision? And after so many, because that's the why the way St. Louis wants it, et cetera, it starts to eat at you and you decide, listen, I'm going to need to do something else. And my father, uh, two years after the deal uh, had left, uh, which, which, which further made it tough to hold up uh, our culture and the way that we did things. And uh, it just became apparent to me. I thought at the time, I don't do big companies well. But in hindsight, what I've learned is I don't do poor, unhealthy, not accountable culture very well. If that makes sense. No, no, I, you and know, I, it really, it really does. And, you know, we can talk a little bit about that, you know, because one of the things, you know, it's like when you're growing up, you know, if you got kids and, and, you know, you're talking to them, you go through the process. And if you get in the mode of when they ask you why, I mean, that's, that's typically a good thing. I mean, you got a smart kid, they're asking why they're trying to wrap their head around it. And when you get into the mode of telling them, because I told you so, uh, that, that kind of crushes their spirit and, and changes the dynamic of them asking questions anymore. And so the same thing happens with big corporations. You know, if they say that, you know, the reason why we're doing it this way is because I told you so, and you can't have that robust debate and, and talk about why there's a better way to do it, it makes it real difficult. And so, you know, I've been in that environment before. That's why I think a lot of people go into entrepreneurism is because they feel like they've got another way to do it, probably a better way to do it, and they don't like to have to go through and jump through all these hoops and, you know, do it some way that doesn't make sense. So were there any specifics yeah. that, that you can think of that maybe they said to do it one way and you're like, that just doesn't make sense? Anything that, that you know, jumps <laughs> off the top of your head? I can tell you a simple one, and, uh, and that was booking travel. Mm-hmm. So we're, uh, you know, small, a bunch of engineering nerds down here in Dallas, and this is, this is you know, 2000 and, and change. There's plenty of online resources to book your own travel yourself, but we were forced to go through a travel agency uh, out of St. Louis and everything we booked through them added 10% on. So it was very easy to go on, uh, you know, kayak orbits or some sort of online thing and figure out what the flight should cost. We had to find our flights, send them, email them to a person in St. Louis who would then book them and charge 10% more. And I never did get an answer on that, but I think somebody's brother-in-law owns the travel agency or something. But we were not allowed to book our own travel, which made things much more difficult on us uh-huh. and increased our budget, which ultimately affected bonuses. Right, absolutely. The old brother-in-law deal. We all we all hate those, I guess, unless you're the brother-in-law. But most <laughs> most entrepreneurs aren't the brother-in-law. Those are the those are the deals that somehow the 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 wife or or somebody snookers you into to, to doing those brother-in-law yeah. deals. <laughs> yeah, and and I'll tell you what it does. It it takes and and I would use myself as an example. But that might be egotistical. But my business partner is a brilliant engineer who is an artist in his free time. So not only can he build beautiful applications. Uh, he can build the application, but he can make it beautiful and easy to use. A, a once-in-a-lifetime talent. And that kind of person was driven away from the company. And you look at what the best and brightest will do and how they'll react 
when they're when they have policies and things like that forced uh, upon them and they're not allowed to ask questions and come up with ideas and and do things their way or try try and experiment and test you're ultimately going to push that talent away and it turns out it was great for me is exactly what i needed in my life uh was to uh to give me that motivation to say i got to get out of here i'm going to start something myself and and i'm going to do it the way i want to do it well, you know, and that's that's we're going to get into that here in the in the next segment as it relates to, you know, starting your business and and some of those things how did that transition and what did that look like? Um, you know, your dad as he as he left, you said he was there for 2 years and that was kind of contractual, he was obligated to that. Uh was it was it really more of he was just a resource to them or or it was was it a miserable situation where he was just hanging around or or did he uh, what did that look like? Because you know, that's a great question. That's a great question, Doug. What they did, he had a, he had a, 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 a ton of experience, and what they asked him to do was continue to run our division in Dallas, which was only 13 people. That was easy for him, and, and he took over their worst performing uh, sales segment, which was the Western region at the time. So he took over w- the worst division out of five, and in one year uh, took it to first. So he took their worst performing division, and in one year. Uh, with the mod behind the motto, worst to first, mm-hmm. uh, turned the entire thing around, got rid of the bad apples, brought in some great people, motivated them and uh, turned it into their highest performing group. But look at my father. You know, if you if you allow him the, the creative freedom and the room to uh, to influence and participate in decision making, et cetera, you might have had someone like him hang around for a couple more years uh, instead when he can't do things like book his own travel, which he wants to do, uh, you, you know, you get him in, in, in uh, unhappy situations and he's like, forget it. I don't need to be here. I sold the company and, and he's gone. So, uh, it happens. Good, great question, Doug. Well, yeah, and that's something I think that often entrepreneurs think about, and and you know, and then what's next? You know, so it's you you've built this company, and in his situation, he literally had his family there, and you know, you you wind up looking for that next opportunity or, or you know to to take some some toys and go play elsewhere, mm-hmm. and you know then you wind up going back, kind of quote unquote working for someone. I haven't, I personally haven't worked for anyone in about twelve years, and um, you know that. I could I could see that being a very difficult uh, situation to go back into, and you know maybe you, you kind of quote unquote do your time for those two years, and then you know as soon as that's over, boom, you're out of there and, and on to the next deal, you know, ready to either retire or you know start something else. But in, in his case, you know, you were there, and, and there were other uh, folks that I'm sure you know when you build a business, you kind of become family with the people you're spending, you know. Bunch, you know, eight, ten hours yeah. a day with. Yeah, so, I think we have one, two, three, four. There's five of us out of eighteen here at Columall that that came from my dad's company originally, and so it, it worked out great for me. I, I ended up staying four years after the transaction, so two years after my father left, and it was wonderful for me. I had a financial and 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 brain, you know, available brain power to help me start my company in the form of my dad, who's down the street and more than happy to help. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what, that's that's a great transition into our next segment. We're going to be talking about entrepreneurism firsthand, launching a business, you know, kind of the approach that Call em All takes and exactly what it is that you guys do in your business. And, you know, really, you and I have talked a little bit offline, and, and you gave me permission to say this, you know, when we, when we were talking a little bit yesterday. But, you know, with your business, you've gotten multiple offers for uh, folks to acquire your business over the last you know, several uh, years and, and, and as recently as, you know, the last couple months. 
and you know, and you've turned them all down to this point. And you know, it's at some you know, at some point, maybe somebody makes you just a deal you can't refuse. But we'll we'll get into why you haven't made that uh, a transaction or liquidation event at this point, and, and and go from there. So this is Doug Parker with Brad Herman from Call 'Em All on the Ambitious Radio Network, uh, right here on Texas Money and Business. The information you need to know, it's Texas Money and Business with your host, Ron Taylor. It is Texas Money and Business. It's so good to have you here for the show today. We hope that it's uh, great information for you. Ambitious Radio Network is underway with Doug Parker. And Doug, a great guest today and a great show. Take it away. Absolutely. We've got Brad Herman with us today from Call Them All. And guys that are, you know, that are tuned in right now, I would encourage you that if, if you're listening in your car, at this point, pull over and take some notes. If it's something you're listening to streaming, pull out your, your notepad. We're going to get some real nuggets of wisdom here. There's going to be some meat on what Brad's talking about. He's going to talk about really forming his company, call them all, uh, how he did things from the very beginning to set his culture up, how he has continued to maintain that culture over the years, and really how he's positioned his company for, for maximum value uh, for he and his family, his employees, and uh, you know, really, at some point, he says he's not going to sell. He said he had, you know, he said he's gotten several offers over the years. But uh, Bo told us last week that every single business uh, there's a liquidation event. It might be that you know that eventually you're going six feet under, but at some point there is a liquidation event. So anyway, Brad, tell us a little bit about your company, Call Them All, what you do, and and how you really put this great company together. Yeah, thanks, Doug. Very briefly, we do group calling and texting. And the simplest example would be if you think of the school sending out a phone call or text message to 10,000 parents because they're closing for a snow day. Uh, that's what we do. We're, we are robocallers and, and texters that actually call and text people who want to receive the messages. And what we do – we view ourselves as a software company that actually just happens to make phone calls. And uh, and so what we've tried to do is build a strong underlying foundation to the company. And I'll kind of talk about how we how we did that uh, from the start. Uh, you know, you saw that we were a little bit miffed when we started the company with what happened to this great culture my dad had started uh, uh, that eroded away after uh, his company was sold. So I was only 32 when we started this company, but I did know that – just selling for a whole bunch of money wasn't as, peel, as appealing to me and my partners as it sounded. So despite not being the oldest guys, we had in the back of our head that that's not as necessarily as wonderful as it sounds and that we need something to do. So uh, we just started set about building the company and, and we grew a, nice and steady. We grew, we, we've grown every year and, and grown at a very good, healthy clip. But one thing we've always done is grown at a measured clip. Uh, we didn't go out and get outside financing or funding. We're entirely self-funded. And the reason we wanted to do that is because we wanted control. And it, there are story after story that no matter whose uh, money you take outside of family and friends, it typically is not super patient money. They're investing with you because they want a return. And a lot of times, particularly with venture capital firms, they want a very large firm, uh, uh, return, which is just fine, you know. Every business has to make a choice. Do I need this external capital to grow or can I do it on my own? And in our case, we were fortunate enough to be able to do it on our own. And uh, and, and it's worked out really well for us. So we uh, we started growing in 2010. We were named Inc. 500s. 
500. We're number 484, I think, fastest growing privately held company in the United States. So business was good. We were profitable uh, starting about the end of our first year. And uh, we, we still are, are growing. And, and ever since we made that list, we've been getting venture capital inquiries because anybody could look at the revenue that we had and the number of employees we had and realize that we were a, a very healthy and profitable company uh, on that list. And we, we've been getting inquiries. And in the beginning, it was quite flattering. And I would take their calls and, and have their meetings and, and explain, we really just don't think we need any money right now. And uh, they, they keep coming now. Frankly, I just drop them into a folder in my email box in case we ever decide we do need money because we so value what we've built and, and what we're trying to build is something for us. We're trying to make this business work for us in terms of what we want and work for our employees in terms of what they want. And uh, it's, it's been quite a thrilling ride and, and quite rewarding uh, as we've matured and developed over the last uh, 11 years. Yeah, you know, that, that Inc. 500, you know, 5,000 list, you know, we, we've been on it a couple times, and I agree with you. You know, it's, it is a very flattering thing to, to be on that list, and, and you do. You get a bunch of inquiries, a bunch of people calling. That's where these venture capitalists, you know, they come out like vultures um, to, you know, try to get everything they can from, from you know, anybody they can. And for the right company or the right person, it could be a great opportunity to take them even to a, a, another level and you know it's 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 a great deal you know so you've gotten involved in ink uh and some of the things at ink magazine and some of those different events but how, how did you make the determination you know whenever you were growing i know for us you know we just thought we were a company in mckinney doing our thing and you know we didn't really think that that we were doing anything astronomical you know we were just felt like hey we're working and it's working for us um what made you decide to apply for the ink 500 how did you know that that it made sense? Was that something you were already aware of or, or um, it was just a random occurrence? Yeah, I like the way you describe it, Doug. Like you're just doing your thing, right? And that's what we were doing, just just doing our thing, trying to be great at what we do. And the Inc. 500, though, for us was an opportunity as a private company to stick our hands up and get some credibility okay. uh, and, and say, look, we're, we're going to reveal our, our revenue and our employee count and, and get some legitimacy to it. Uh, and, and that's what it did for us. You, you get all, the phone starts ringing for all kinds of stuff after you do that, though. Um, but it's good for us to be able to have that little badge um, that, hey, we made the Inc. 500. But we did it one time and then stopped. <laughs> said, that's good enough. We got the credibility out of it. We don't really care to brag about our revenue, uh, our profitability, our employees or any of that. And we kind of just stuck our heads back down and went back to work. And, and the next badge, if you will, that we wanted to, to hang our hats on was being uh, one of the best places to work. And uh, last year, I think it was last year, uh, we ended up being named to DFW's best places to work for under 25 employees, which we took a lot more pride in than we did the Inc. 500 list. Well, congratulations and, on that. that. That is quite an accomplishment. You know, keeping employees happy is, is always a, a difficult thing to do with the cost of benefits and just the nature of you're running a business and you're trying to, you know, obviously make it profitable and, and successful. You know, are there any key things that you can think of off the top of your head that are just, you know, not, I wouldn't say nothing is necessarily easy, but that maybe are simple and make perfect sense to you that maybe other entrepreneurs haven't thought of? Yeah, I got about five of them, really, okay. and, and I'll be happy to walk you through them. So I think we had a pretty good, healthy culture just on the basis of 
of myself and my partner and how we ran things around here. Uh-huh. But you couldn't just you, we we couldn't write it down, Doug. It was it was something you had to come in here and see and talk to us to feel and get. And that's when I right around then I started getting involved with small giants and really learned from a lot of the folks that are involved in small giants and, and have a lot more experience than I do what it took to take a a good culture and really institutionalize it and make it something that you could replicate, that you could talk about, you could look at, you could read, and you could use in your business. And and I didn't that was a big concept to me. You know, I think in the beginning great culture was, oh great benefits and we had beer Fridays. That's not it. Great culture is really about your values and who you are. And then it manifests itself in taking care of your employees and and having nice benefits and being a pleasant place to work and having a healthy environment. And I didn't realize that. And there were a lot of once I once that I, my eyes were opened again, thanks to a lot of the people in small giants who were so willing to share with me. And 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 we walked through this pattern. And the first thing that we did was uh, it ended up turning into what we call our manifesto. And that is a really neat thing. It's on our website, uh, you know, callemall.com. And, and manifesto. And that is really who we are. But the key thing that I learned before we put that together was that it can't come from the executives. I can't go with my partner and walk out to whatever it was at the time, 13 people and tell them, these are our values and this is how we're going to live. Even if it lines up with what they want, the team didn't participate in it. So they're not going to take it uh, as well as if they had worked to, to build it together. So what actually happened was, hi, my business partner and I got kicked out of the room, and we had these wonderful two women, uh, Sonny and Ashley, come in and lead the the rest of the the team in a, what does it mean to work here? What is Call em All all about? And what do you want to be? And who, you know, how do you want to define yourselves? And they started spitting out all of these comments. There were people crying, which they said, you got something really good here, Brad. There are people crying when they ask what the company means to them. Uh, we got to figure out a way to get this down. And they're writing all these statements out, and it just, you know, we stumbled our way into, you know what this is? This is your manifesto. So we, as a team, voted on what of these statements about the company do we most identify with. And uh, and now it's become this thing called our manifesto, and it's fun to read. Uh, uh, you know, it, it should give you a chuckle and a laugh when you look at it, but it paints a very clear picture of who we are and what we do and how we do it. And it's it's something that we use more than just it's on the wall, but we use it as a recruiting tool and, and by a recruiting tool to, to, to show some people that they probably don't belong here and to show others they do belong here. We use it as a decision making tool. We use it as a way for people to call me out on our culture. So if I come out and say, I think we should do this. Any one of my employees can say, hey, Brad, is that really doing the right thing when nobody's looking? Because that's written on the wall, and that's who we are. We are, we are the people that do the right thing when nobody's looking. And I say, you know what? Let's have a talk about that. I disagree, or you know, whatever it may be. But it makes it easier for my team to call call those kind of things out. And yep. and that really was the launching point for our formalized culture, which is so strong right now, and, and helps us in everything we do every day, from recruiting to decision making. Yeah, that that makes a huge difference. And so. Kind of two things here um, as we, you know, we've got a, a couple minutes left in this segment, but call them all. So, you know, what is your website? If somebody wants to go to call them all, how do they get there? 
Uh, it's just callemall.com. It's C-A-L-L-E-M-A-L-L.com. Okay, very good. And let's talk about that real quick, your name. How did you come up with Call Em All? Because that's a... You know that that sounds like a good old country uh, a country saying. I know you're now you're you're an Aggie, aren't you? I am an Aggie. Yes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, well, I tell you what. So so talk about that. How did you guys come up with that? Because I know High and uh, he, he's not a good old East Texas boy or anything like that. So how how did y'all come up with that name? Well, we wanted a name that described what we do, but would also be unique enough that we could trademark it and make it be our own. Okay. And, uh, and we were frankly debated back and forth and just stumbled upon it. And uh, truth be told, that might be the only thing I've ramrodded through in 11 years at Call em All. I, I, I loved the name, and one partner was not so sure about it. And I said, you know what, we just got to go with this. Come on. And uh, I think that's the most disagreement my partners and I have ever had. Uh, in 11 years. Well, that's that's a a great position to be in because I'll, I'll tell you, you know, with with partners, you know, it can always, you know, there's there's a bunch of difficult decisions and and you don't want to be surrounded by a bunch of yes men that just everybody just agrees on everything. With that being said, you know, you want a, a little different feedback and we've probably got I don't know another another minute or two, but can you talk through that, you know, real yeah. quickly with with your partners and and just you know, how important it is to, I mean, it's, it's basically doing a marriage. I mean, it's a business marriage, but you're making yeah. a pretty serious commitment. Yeah. Uh, I, actually, I'll, I'll tell you a tool that we do as well. It's called visioning. And if you want to Google it, you could just Google uh, visioning and the name Ari, A-R-I. Okay. Uh, this wonderful man out of uh, Ann Arbor, Michigan, runs a, a company called Zingerman's. They've been on the cover of Inc. Magazine. Uh, they're a big subject in Bo Burlingham's book, Small Giants. And uh, they actually now run 20 different companies, all under the name Zingerman's in, in Ann Arbor. And Ari is a big fan of visioning. And what that is is just uh, imagining yourself some period of time in the future. It could be the end of the day today or it could be 10 or 20 years from now. And writing what, where you are as a person or as a company, describing how you feel and what it looks like. And the one rule sort of is that it has to be realistic and you know, strategically sound and inspiring, okay. and that's it. You don't have to talk about how you got there. But visioning is a great way for partners to separate from each other, write down their unique vision of where they see the company in, in a period of time. Uh, three years, I think, is a great one to start with, or certainly one year. And, and then comparing notes. And we've heard great stories uh, – I've heard from some friends that realized, wow, my partner and I have a completely different vision for where this company is heading, and that explains why we butt heads so frequently in the office, and we've really got to sort this out together and maybe ultimately not work together. Well, now, the great thing, and we, we did this visioning exercise with my brother's company the other day. Uh, he's got a small startup. We brought in all of the employees, interviewed my brother. He kind of laid out the sandbox, the non-negotiables, if you will. And then they were all able to interview them, ask questions, and go off and write their own visions for where the company was going. And it turns out they're all pretty well aligned, and we wrote them together. And now what you have is this document that shows where you're going, and uh, and then you can all start working over that period of time to figure out how to get there. You know what? That ties an absolute bow on this segment. That worked out uh, perfectly. In our next segment, we're going to be talking uh, some more with Brad Herman from Call em All. We're going to talk about the future of his company, where he sees it going, 
and then also talking about small giants. You've heard him bring that up a few times, and the fingerprints of small giants, the organization, as well as some of the company owners that are in the small giants community that have invested in Brad and his company. But we'll get into that right after the break. This is Doug Parker with the Ambitious Radio Network right here on Texas Money and Business. From Wall Street to the Metroplex, this is 1160 AM KVCE, Dallas-Fort Worth's Business Authority. The best financial and business experts in DFW, it's Texas Money and Business with your host, Ron Taylor. It is indeed Texas Money and Business, and you are privileged to be uh, here with Ambitious Radio Network. My friend Doug Parker is here with a great guest, and Doug, our last this segment is underway here. What do you got for us? Well, I'll tell you what, thanks uh, thanks for uh, hosting everything and helping us out here, Ron. It's always great to uh, to have you at the helm and uh, really overseeing everything. Today, we've got Brad Herman from Call em All. Uh, he is a, a great entrepreneur. He runs a fantastic business, an Inc. 500 company, a small giants, part of the small giants community. And we're going to kind of just talk in, in this segment about you know, how, where he sees the future of his company going. It's successful, it's profitable, it's all the things you want in a business. But Brad, where, where do you see the company going, you know, maybe over the next three to five years? You know, just talk a little bit about that. Great. Uh, so what we've done, we've done a pretty good job. I mentioned our manifesto and, and that we get together as a company and establish our vision. Uh, we've also, we want to make sure that our foundation stays strong. Uh, that includes, we do a lot of uh, open book meetings where we share revenue and key metrics, et cetera, with the entire team. And actually, it's not so much me sharing it with them. They report all of these numbers together and with each other. Uh, we also have sort of a formula for how we work, and that was put together by a team as well. And it's it lays out sort of expectations in terms of how we work around here, how we hold each other accountable, et cetera. So what we want to do, Doug, is is use that foundation to 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 build on top of it. Uh, we want to continue to grow. Uh, I feel that it's critical for a company to to both be profitable and grow and that we have an obligation to do that to our employees and our team. Because if we were to just stay stagnant, my employees don't get the opportunities that they need as individuals to grow and thrive and be healthy. So as we grow, we have increased responsibilities for folks and then we can hire new people and have them come in underneath and learn and, and pick up uh, the, those vacated responsibilities, if you will. So we want to grow. Exactly how we do that, a lot of that is up to the team. You know, we have with this open book tried to teach folks to think like entrepreneurs and understand what it takes to start and run a company. And kicking all the way back to that first segment, uh, we can create an entrepreneurial environment here uh, for employees. All they have to do is bring it up and, and we foster and let them show off their skills and do what they can do. So I don't know exactly what direction the company's going to go in, Doug, but I do know that we have a foundation, we believe, that will support us for many years to come, uh, whether we end up uh, making phone calls 50 years from now or not. Uh, gotcha. and, and that's where we want to go. Now, that makes perfect sense. Well, that that, that um, as we kind of wrap up today, let's talk about Small Giants. I know that uh, you've gotten involved even at a, a greater level than, than I have over the last couple of years. I think you're on the board of Small Giants. Talk mm -hmm. about you know what's coming up over the next few weeks. I know there's a summit here local in Dallas, but talk about that, and, and then we'll, uh, we'll wrap up the show. Uh, uh, Will, yeah, I'm, I'm on the board of Small Giants, and, and I feel like my role on the board is being somewhat of a poster child 
for the kind of organization you can create uh, with the ideas and the best practices that the organization promotes. So it, it, in a way, uh, it, it's my way of giving back. And I want, you know, one of our goals here in Dallas is to be an example for the local business community. So if anyone's out there listening and finds this interesting and wants to stop by, you know, I'd be happy to meet with them and and show them our office and how we do things and, 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 and give ideas and share ideas. And Small Giants is just one more way to do that. That's where I learned all of these best practices we've implemented. And, uh, and I want to give back. So, uh, we're, we're fortunate in that Dallas is our host city. So September 20th to 23rd, we have folks coming in from all over the country and the world, really. I think we have folks coming in from Japan, Paris. I, I haven't looked at the list lately, but folks coming from all over to Dallas. Uh, to learn and see what this values-driven organization and, and what uh, a healthy culture uh, might look like and how they can implement it uh, in their office and their company. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that that's fantastic. I'm looking forward to the summit. It's going to be a, a really a great opportunity, as you mentioned, for people really all over the world. And these are leaders that you know we've we've mentioned. You know, we talked about Ari from Zingerman's, and I've had the, the great fortune of going up to Ann Arbor and spending some time with with them. Uh, there, there's, there will literally be leaders from all over the world. I'm so excited to, to be able to, to promote it, and it's, like I said, right here in our hometown. Uh, coming up in a few weeks, the, the way they would uh, say if someone was interested in signing up for it, they go to small, uh, smallgiants.org, and that's so smallgiants.org. Go there. It has the submit uh, on there. You just click on it and sign up, and it's a great investment of your time and and, and your treasure you will uh, you will not be let down so brad i want to tell you thanks so much for taking the time uh, out of your very busy schedule to spend with us today as an entrepreneur i know how difficult it can be to get everything you need to get done in a day much less to come on to to somebody's show and, and spend an hour of your time so i'm appreciative of you taking the time to do that how would someone get a hold of you? I know you talked about the website, callemall.com, so call then uh, hyphen em hyphen all.com. But if they wanted to, to give your business a call and they wanted to do business with you or what's the, the kind of the, the method to get in, in touch with you for that type of stuff? The, the easiest way is to email me. It's just brad, B-R-A-D, at callemall.com. Fantastic. Well, I really appreciate you again, and uh, thanks so much for that. I want to do a, a special thanks to all of our sponsors on uh, Ambitious Radio. We could not do it without you guys. FreeElectricityDFW.com, All3Reports.com, that's all the number three, reports with an S.com, and RepairMyCreditNow.com. Thanks for the uh, participation and helping us accomplish these things. Tune in next week when we're going to have Jeff Jeans from HR Fix on the show. Uh, he'll be talking about some of the bear traps that people can step in when they're growing their entrepreneurial business and how to protect your company from those, those traps. Remember, you can make money and you can make excuses, but you can't make both. Get out there and be ambitious. Thank you for listening to Texas Money and Business on 1160 AM KVCE. Tune in weekdays at 10 a.m. to hear more leading experts giving you all the information you need to know on Texas money and business. 1160 a.m. KVCE.